Um, hey, good morning, family. We're so glad that you guys are here. Um, this is a little bit different. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to say welcome. We are glad you're here. Every fourth Sunday, we have what is called Family Worship Sunday. So we have our kids joining us for uh, most of the kids for the entire gathering. And so uh, we're super excited about that. And today, we, uh, we're going to be capping or, or just kind of at the end of what we have been called uh, a series called Simple Not Easy looking at the basics of Missio, or really what makes Missio, Missio. What are we about? And so today, we're gonna take time to talk about why we gather on Sunday mornings. Why is that so important for us, and how is that shaping our lives? And so when we come on a Sunday, our whole point is that we want to glorify God. And we hear that we are a family of missionary servants. And so everything we do, Sunday mornings, our missional communities, going to school, going to work, your Sunday through your Saturday, all of that matters for God's glory and God's mission. And so what we're going to do today is we are going to talk through all these things that we do on a Sunday morning and why that's important for not just us as adults, but why that's important for you as kids as well. And there are three big reasons for why we gather to worship. Three reasons why we worship. And we're gonna take you through those. So the first reason that we worship is that it declares, our worship declares and praises the glory of the triune God. That's a big word, triune. Anybody know what that means? Kids, anybody? Adults, do you know what that means? What a three in one, okay. The Trinity, yeah, that God is one in essence, three in persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we gather on Sunday mornings to declare and praise the glory of the triune God. Now, glory is another big word, right? Anybody know the definition for glory? That's a big word. You, you know it? Say it again. Amazing. I think that's pretty cool. Yes, for sure. Yeah, we see God's, that he is amazing, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts? It's a big word. Yeah, here's a cool definition that I heard a long time ago that's so helpful for me, is when we think of the glory of God, we think of God's holiness. Another way to say that is that God is good, he is right, and he's perfect. God's holiness is shown for everyone to see. That's God's glory, that God's holiness, that he's good, right, and perfect, God's holiness is on display for the whole world to see. So when we come on a Sunday to gather and sing songs, which the kids are gonna do here in a minute, when you hear God's word being taught to you, when we take of communion, even when we talk together in our gathering, that brings glory to God because we're showing each other and the world the holiness, that God is good, right, and perfect. So we declare and praise the glory of God. There's this verse in the Old Testament, uh, an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. Have you guys heard of Isaiah? Yeah? Yeah, so Isaiah had this vision where he was brought up into heaven and he actually was able to see God and heaven is where God is. And he heard, Isaiah heard these angels singing and praising 
the glory of God. And in Isaiah 6, verses 3, or verse 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So the whole earth is full of the holiness, the good, right, and perfectness of God. Even in your schools, is that hard to believe? You're like, yeah, really? Right, in school, in my work, in all creation, when we gather here, the whole earth is full of God's amazing person, of his glory. There's another verse in the, uh, another Old Testament prophet by the name of Habakkuk. We were gonna name one of our kids Habakkuk, Habakkuk Myers, that would've been cool, right? No, I'm just kidding, really, no, you're a hard audience. Okay, so Habakkuk, he had this vision, he heard from God, and this is what he wrote in the Old Testament. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's God's purpose, is that the entire earth would be filled with his glory. And so when we come and we sing and we gather here, we get to sing about the glory of God, how amazing he is. Okay, and there's one last verse I want to tell you. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, you guys know who Paul is? He wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and he said this, whatever you eat or what, drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. That means, do I have to do my homework for God's glory? Somebody said No. Okay, I know you feel that way. Let's be honest. Yes. Do I, does that, that mean that, I, does that, if it was your kid? Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll talk to Chris after. Um, that means like, hey, I, I go to a job on Monday, parents, that I don't really like. Do I do that for the glory of God? Yeah. My parenting, my checkbook, everything I do is for the glory of God so that the holiness of God that he's good, right, and perfect is on display for everybody to see. So the one, number one reason, the number one reason why we gather and why we worship is to declare and praise the glory of God. We also gather together so that we can nurture and form ourselves as a missional community. And so that's why it's so important as a family uh, that we get together and we learn about this. And so we're thankful that we're doing this on Family Worship Sunday where our kids are here with us. Those of you who don't have kids, those of you who are still a kid in your 40s, we're so glad that you're here with us because as a family, we're being shaped and nurtured as God's missional people. And so when I say that we're, we're nurturing and forming a missional community with our Sundays, don't just hear us talk about the missional communities that meet in homes during the week uh, and that have dinner on Wednesday nights and maybe sometimes study the word and maybe sometimes go and serve a certain people or a place. That too. But remember we started this Simple Not Easy series looking at what is the Bible, what is the scripture, the, the word of God. It's a story. And as we unfold that story, we see it's actually the story of God's mission at work to redeem and restore all things. And so you and I if we're in Christ, we, are, we get to be part of God's mission. He invites us into that. Once he's restored us as part of his mission, he now calls us to do some of that work with him. And so we need to be formed and shaped in that as a church, as a missional community here in the West Valley of Phoenix. How are we doing that? How are we living that out? 
Because the reality is, every single one of us are hearing all kinds of different stories throughout the week, right? There's stories that say that this story is not true. And for many of us, there's also other stories that sound very similar to the story of the Bible. But it's, it's a little bit different. Maybe the story becomes mostly about us in here. It's about not God at work restoring all things and making us his people on his mission, but it becomes about me being comfortable and having good things because God loves me and cares for me. Or maybe it's become a story for you where it's about I need to work really hard and prove myself to this God so that I could be accepted into his story. And so we, those, both of those stories, by the way, are false, kids and grown-ups. They're, they're not true. The true story that we find in Scripture is the story of a God who even when all people, every single one of us, turned against him, he still ran after us and loves us and wants to welcome us back. That's what Jesus did. And we need to hear that story over and over and over again. So that's why we gather on Sundays to remind ourselves of that story. And that's why we go uh, really to great lengths to craft the way that we do that on Sunday. The way that this whole time together unfolds on Sunday is very intentional. And so we want to take some time this morning to explain that. Because a lot of times we just get together on Sunday to check that off our list. And we sing songs because that's what you do on Sunday, right? And we do this weird thing here at Missio where we got stuff up on the screen that you got to read along with us. And what is that all about? But it all has a purpose. And the purpose is that we're remembering the gospel story. We're retelling the gospel story. So you're not just being reminded from us, but you actually are practicing speaking the story too. And we're responding to the gospel story so that by the end of this time together, we can send each other back out into the world, in your neighborhoods, your workplaces, your schools, refreshed with the true story and ready to go out with that story to people who need it. So we're going to take some time explaining why we do everything we do. And right now we're going to move into what we call our call to worship. And so normally on a Sunday morning, this is how we would start. We would start with a call to worship. And the call to worship this morning is going to be led by little Bella Myers. So I'm going to invite her up here right now. And the call to worship is a time for us as a family to say, hey, listen, people of God, you've been out in the world with a lot of brokenness going on out there, a lot of violence, a lot of sickness, a lot of bad relationships, a lot of hard things, a lot of lies. But remember the truth. Remember the true story. There is a God who created this world, who cares for it, who created you, who cares for you, and he's a good God. And we have a good reason to sing to him. We have a good reason to praise him. And so that call to worship is really reorienting us I want to read from you before Isabella reads from Psalm 104, verse 33. It tells us, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. This is someone who recognizes there is a good God who is worthy for us to sing to. Even if you don't have a beautiful, amazing voice, he's worthy of that. And that's what a call to worship does. It orients us and our hearts back to this good true God. And so stand with us again. We're going to sing in a moment, but before we do, as you stand, Isabel is going to lead us in our call to worship this morning. Oh Lord, our Lord. 
Lord, your greatness is seen in all the world. Your praise reaches up to the heavens. It is sung by children and babies. You are safe and secure from all your enemies. You stop anyone who opposes you. So Chris and I were talking back there uh, during that song, and we're like, so from now on, when we come on a Sunday, even if it's just us as adults, we're going to say, praise, what's that? And you're going to say what? Yippee, yahoo, way to go, God. Yeah, awesome. So, ne- you know, when you get to go out and to uh, meet your Monday, um, and you have these conversations with people about, hey, what did you do this weekend? And you said, well, we got to praise. It's yippee, yahoo, way to go, God, right? You're sitting around at the copy machine, whatever that looks like for you. So, um, hey, thank you. I just want to take a, just one second as we continue in our liturgy and talking about that uh, is to say thank you. We say this often. I don't think we can ever say it enough. To those who are teaching our kids, thanks a ton for doing that. Um, yeah, give them, we, can do some, we can do some clapping for that. Um, Super important. Um, as we talked about last week, in our, in, uh, we, we talked about what it means to shape our kids to know God, to grow in God, and to go for God. Um, part of that shaping our kids into their missional identity as a follower of Jesus is the work that our teachers do week in and week out. And so we're grateful for uh, you men and women who are doing that work. So thanks so much, and thanks for um, allowing your kids just to be uh, shepherded by our people. Well, as we continue in thinking through our liturgy and why we do what we do on Sunday mornings, we go back to those first two reasons of why we worship. To one, Number one, to declare and to praise the glory of God and to be nurtured and formed as a missional community people When we start thinking about that, ultimately, as the Spirit works into our lives and brings us to realize the amazingness of God um, and how great He is, we ultimately are brought back to how how far we fall from God's glory in our own lives, how we fail to display to the world that God is good, right, and perfect, and what we say and what we do, another word for that is sin. That we are a people who sin. We rebel against God. We don't want to follow God in his ways. We want to follow our ways. We don't want to do what God asks us to do. We want to do what we want to do. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. And so the Bible says that when we are not walking, when we rebel against God and his ways, that's called sin. And sin separates us from God. And if we didn't have somebody who brought us back to God, we would be in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. But God's word tells us that he loved us so much that even while we were still sinning, sinners, that God sent his son Jesus to be our savior. That Christ died for us. So now, even though we've sinned and even though we rebelled against God, 
that if we trust in Jesus as the only one that can cleanse us from our sin and forgive us and draw us back to the Father, then that sin will never separate us from God ever again. And that means that I'm not gonna be perfect. I'm not gonna be able to live my life every day without sin. I'm still gonna say things I shouldn't say. I'm still gonna think things I shouldn't be thinking of. But now, I have a savior whose name is Jesus the Christ, God's own son who came to earth and became the perfect sacrifice by dying on a cross for us. And his blood washes away our sin. But Jesus didn't remain on the cross, did he? What did Jesus do? Shout it out. What did Jesus do? He came alive. Yeah. He rose from the grave. And he showed the world that he is holy, that he's good, right, and perfect, that the death itself couldn't keep him in the grave. And he was the victor. He was victorious over death and sin and even Satan himself. And if we trust in Jesus and believe that only he can save us, then we, as the Bible tells us, are now a new creation. And as that first song was sung this morning, we are alive Right? We're alive now in Jesus. So even when I sin, I get to come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me for what I've done. And I know that only in you, I can be made alive again. And so every week when we come here, we remind ourselves, guess what? We blew it this week. We, we confess our sins. We have this time where we call confession. And I'm going to um, have Canon come up here, and he's going he's gonna to read this confession for us. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that Jesus forgives us of our sins, and he purifies us, or he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, all the things that aren't right in our life. So when we come on Sundays, we will confess as a church family. And just to let you know, church, that this is a practice that has been practiced from the church from the Old Testament times all the way through church history, is that the people of God would gather together and they would confess as a community how they have sinned against God. So we confess that we need Jesus. Go ahead and read this, buddy. So I, I thought he was doing the confession. He's actually doing the assurance. So before he does that, let me explain the assurance real quick. So we confess our sins, that we have rebelled against God, but then we're always reminded of what Jesus has done to free us from our sin and to make us right with God. We remind ourselves of the good news, and now you get to read that. Here. Hear the good news. What I am saying is the truth, that Christ Jesus came into the world and died to save us even when we were against him. That proves his love for us. He died so that we could have life with him forever. In the name of Jesus the Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. As you call out to dry bones, come alive. Amen. God, we thank you that you do make us alive by your work, not by anything we do to prove ourselves worthy, but because of the work of Jesus and the power of your spirit within us, we can join together as brothers and sisters now, as family, as your children, sons and daughters, 
made alive because of you, and we can live in that new life, and we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much, band, for leading us in that. So as we are moving through why we do what we do on a Sunday morning, I want you to see that there's a flow to this that's very similar to how we started this Simple Not Easy series. Remember, we started with what is the true story of the world, right? And we find that in the scripture. And if you remember, and even if you weren't here that week and you've been with Missio at any point, you probably know that we use a very shorthand way to remind ourselves what that true story is. It's, they're just signposts to help us remember what the story is. They don't replace the story, but we use six symbols. And so we start with, you can see them even on that banner there. You can see them all over the place. But we start with our first down arrow, which is, do our kids know what the first symbol of the story is? Yeah, creation. He creates all things, right? And it's a down arrow because God actually comes down to be with his creation. We start our services with a call to worship to basically mirror that. Like, hey, this is a good God. He made all things good. He's worthy of praise. But that next symbol, that X, represents what? Adults can answer too. Yeah, rebellion, death that entered because of our rebellion against God. And so that's why we do a confession. Because we recognize we have sin. We have rebelled against this good God who has made everything good, right, and perfect. And so we need to confess that there has been a rebellion against the king. But then we get an assurance. And so that next symbol is God gives a promise. He doesn't just leave the first man and woman who rebelled against him in their death. He says, I'm going to come and make things right one day. We have an assurance that that has come through Jesus. And as we move in our Sunday gatherings toward the sermon, that's kind of the pinnacle, the climax of the story, is we get to unfold the redemption found in Jesus. That's good news, that we are saved because of his work. And so you'll see that kind of unfolding throughout our order of worship. Um, but right now, because we're a family, what we typically get to do is we get, we get to take a pause in the story for a second, and we get to just do what families do. One of the things we need to do as a family that gets together once a week, many of you have seen each other throughout the week, but as a whole, we, we come together once a week, and there are some logistical things, <laughs> some news, some updates, some announcements that we got to do. And so as a family, keeping each other in the loop. And so I got a couple of those, and then we get to do what my favorite part is, is we get to just share how God's been at work in our lives. That's important for us as a family to remember and retell and respond to the story. So on September 19th, there's going to be a launch party for Brian and Erica Lamka and Alsatia and Juniper, their two daughters. Uh, the Lamkas, many of you know, are going to South America. They're first going for nine months, bringing a team with them that they are going to be traveling around uh, to different parts of South America. But then the plan is that they're moving and staying in South America after that. And so we want to send them off well. There's going to be September 19th, a launch party that all of Missio is invited to, and also many other people, friends, family, and other parts of their lives will be there too. So September 19th, that's a Wednesday night. I know many of your MCs meet that night. Don't just come together and celebrate the Lamkas and send them off well. And so that's at 6 p.m. There will be details on the city coming up. Am I missing any announcements? All right, that's it. Any other announcements from the family? Cool. 
Good deal. All right, so what we get to do now is share what we call evidences of grace. This is evidence that even in the midst of a broken, fallen world where there is sin, where there is violence, where there is corruption and injustice and all kinds of things falling apart, you can't pay your bills, whatever it might be that you're going through, that we can still see God's hand at work. He is still in control and he is still providing grace to us as he's working to restore all things. We need to be reminded of that. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll just call it out and let people share openly. Sometimes we have very specific things. And right now I want to invite the loonies up uh, because our specific thing we want to share is how God has been placing on their heart to um, form a missional community around something very specific and something very dear for them. And I just want us to be able to hear their heart behind that and also allow some time maybe for people just to pray through, like maybe the spirit, as you're listening to them share, maybe the spirit is laying something on your heart for your own life as well. Or maybe what the spirit's laying on your heart is how you can join in with what the loonies are doing. Uh, so just be listening with those ears, listening not just to John, but also to the spirit. And let's celebrate what God's doing with them right now. Thanks, Chris. I brought Asa up here with me. So yeah, we are at a point in the, the life cycle of our MC, Phoenician Palms, where it's a very exciting time, very sad time. Uh, a lot of, you know, we have the Lamkas are, are taken off, the Muirheads have, have left, uh, Diana is, um, is going to be a part of something exciting for a year called TOAG down in Tempe. So um, the, our, kind of our anchors at Phoenician Palms are no longer going to be living there. And so uh, it's been the desire of my wife and me for a long time, even, even before even coming to Missio, um, is to be at a place where we can be trained up, trained up to go out and, and serve as a family out, um, out with our own mission, whatever that could be, just trained up to, to be missionaries, right? And so um, we're at a point now with the life cycle of our MC where um, the Lord's leading our, our hearts and minds more towards our neighborhood, um, our neighbors who we do see, our neighbors who we spend time with. Um, and uh, we, we've been kind of moving in that direction. We've had a, we had a barbecue um, a, couple, uh, a couple months ago, and it was a great turnout. Like our, our neighbors are, are thirsty for community. They're um, desirous of that, um, and we had some good time getting to pray beforehand, getting to have some gospel conversations with them. And so now, so we're at a point now where we want to, um, what's our hope, it's our desire to start, um, start an MC up kind of in our neighborhood. And kind of how we did when we first came to Missio, um, we just kind of came alongside people at Phoenician Palms to, to learn what that, what that could look like. And uh, to be a part of that, now that that's kind of coming to an end here, we're hoping and desires. The reason why I'm saying we're not doing it is because um, we, we need people to come along to, to be with us, right? So we need to be sent out with, with someone. So just so you know, we live kind of up, up north, 35th Avondeer Valley. So be thinking about that and praying about that. If that's kind of where you live or something you want to just be a part of us just to get it launched, just to get it going, you know, whether it's six months or a year, um, we, you know, we don't have a lot of programs going right now for that, and we don't, we don't want that. But what we desire is that as we do these barbecues, we have people with us who can, who can get, get their noses in the Bible with us, who can pray with us and to see what the Lord might be leading that, that endeavor, leading his gospel message um, in our neighborhood. So, and to see how, what springs out of that, you know, seeing what common places exist for us to, to step into with our neighbors. Um, there's one verse I wanted to, to share with you. We went to the MC leaders training yesterday um, just to be a part of that. 
And um, they, they kind of came back to this verse with, uh, with Martha and Mary. I'm going to read it to you. It comes from Luke 10, uh, 38 through 42. It's, it's kind of short. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And, and I, as, as you hear me speak, I want you to be thinking and praying for us as we move forward in that so that our hearts not become anxious, that we not be about just getting these programs up and going with the barbecue and whatever else that might be, but that we're people like Mary who can come to the feet of Jesus, who can learn from him and have him lead us in, in that, not in anxiously, but being faithful to providing to see what he might do through it. So just be praying for us. It's not something that's happened yet. Uh, we're going to continue to be with the, our current MC till the Lord has us go, but it is on our hearts, and it is something that we, we do want you to be praying about and for, so if you'll join us in that, we'd appreciate that. Thanks, John. Stay up here. We're going to pray for you uh, in just a second, but I just want you to hear, so like, they have young kids, right? Um, and some of you are thinking, like, how do you do something, that, how do you lead a missional community with young kids? Uh, how do I even go? be a part of a missional community with young kids sometimes. And I just want you to know, like, as he's sharing this, I'm being reminded it's simple but not easy. It's simple that, like, they're just going to hang out with their neighbors. They're just going to be good neighbors. Their kids can hang out at the barbecue. It's that simple. Um, and have, you know, look for those conversation opportunities, break bread with other people who don't yet know Jesus, and invite the family of God to come join them in that. It really is that simple. But at the same time, it's not easy. Not to scare you. It's not easy because we, uh, we live in an individualistic culture. We live in a consumeristic culture. Um, sometimes you get to know neighbors that you don't really like that much. You don't want to hang out with. Uh, sometimes they're awkward. Sometimes you're awkward. You know, there's all kinds of things at play where it's not easy. You do need the power of the spirit at work within you. And you need to be, as John was sharing with that scripture, which is so good, you need to be spending time with Jesus above all. And so pray with me. Hold out your hands. Uh, the Bible asks us often to lay hands on people as we pray. And so just as, as part of family, if you could just, I know you don't want to get up and come up here, just extend a hand out toward John and uh, have Amy and their kids in your mind as well, because they're very much part of this, just not standing here. So Father, we thank you for John and Amy and Asa and Jenna and Tori. And God, the blessing that they are to my family, to me personally, to our uh, current missional community, to this family, this missional family here. Uh, God, the, the brotherhood and sisterhood that we've enjoyed through that has been a huge blessing. Um, but God, more importantly, it's been a huge blessing to see their hearts to serve you and to love other people that they may know you. And so we pray, God, that as they are sent out in this way, to intentionally make and mature and multiply disciples who follow Jesus in their neighborhood. God, that you would fill them with everything they need to do that work. It would be your spirit at work within them, your strength that they are relying on, 
that they are resting in you, Jesus, because your burden is easy and your yoke is light. You call them into this work, but you promise you will not leave them ever throughout that work. God, we also pray that um, just in that, and as you remove the anxiousness from that work because they're resting in you, that they would also have partners coming alongside them, that you would send brothers and sisters to go with them in that work. Uh, As John said, even if it's just for a time to be trained up and sent out into their own neighborhoods or workplaces or wherever you're calling them, Spirit. Uh, But God, give them some partnership in that, that they wouldn't labor alone. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so now we get to turn our hearts and our attentions normally at this time in our gathering into the Word. Uh, and so typically what we do is we will preach through books of the Bible, and we're, we're learning the story together as we move through the story. Uh, but today, as Wade comes up, we're continuing to help unfold and peel back the curtain for you guys to see why we do what we do. Uh, and so it'll be a little bit different this morning, a little bit shorter, because we spent some time at the front. Don't worry. I know you're checking. Um, but we, we got all that in mind, don't worry. Uh, but Wade's going to continue to unfold for us what that looks like and why we take time to dig into the word together as a family. And so pray with me as Wade comes up. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who teaches and reveals your word to us. God, we know that we have no understanding without you. And so we pray that you open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear and receive We pray that you do your work to transform us, making us more and more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray for the glory of the Father. Amen. We didn't talk about that, but I had no idea it was going shorter. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, So like Chris mentioned, as we think through these reasons we've already talked about, there's three, and you're like, I know we've talked about two. Isn't there a third? Don't worry, those of you who are like me and uh, you're perfectionistic, we will get to number three, okay? We're getting there. Uh, But number one, again, was that our worship is so that we can declare and praise the glory of God. Number two reason was that our, our worship is designed then to shape and nourish us as God's people, as his missional community. And all the things that we've done up to this point, Lord willing, serve for those purposes. But one of the most crucial, essential things that we need is God's word. We need God's true story in our lives. We need to know how God has revealed himself perfectly through Jesus Christ. And we know about that through God's word. And so we think about those three R's that Chris mentioned at the very beginning is that when we gather on a Sunday, we're remembering the gospel story. And the word of God, the Bible, tells us. It reminds us of what God has done from the very beginning of creation and how he is created and made his perfect story come to where we are now, that we're actually a part of that story. We're invited into God's story. And so we remember all that God has, who he is, we remember what he's done, and then we retell God's story. We get to tell, retell on a Sunday morning as we preach the word of God, or kids, as you go to your classes sometimes and you hear your teachers tell you the true story of God, we're retelling all that God has done and what he's made us to be. That in Jesus, God has made us a family, sons and daughters of the king. 
and that we are missionaries, that we get to then go into the everyday stuff of life to tell the good news of Jesus and our words and our actions. So we get to retell that story and we get to retell every single Sunday that God as he's made us this family of missionary servants, he gives us his spirit so that now I get to go to my school or my job or my neighborhood barbecues and I get to now be his missionary servant to do his good work. And we need the word of God to train us how to do that. The good word of God. And then that last R, how do we respond to the gospel story. Well, the Bible tells us how to do that too. It tells us how we actually are to live our lives. God doesn't leave us on our own to try to figure it out. Isn't that good news? Yeah, he gives us his spirit that gives us the power and the energy and the motivation to do the works of God. And then God tells us in his word, this is how I want you to live for my glory on my mission. It's super simple but it's not easy. Kids, what, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, do you know what he said? What did he say? Anybody know that? Adults, you can help out too. Love God. Yeah, and if you want to get real specific, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, in some translations, depending on what you have, strength, Right? That's the greatest and first commandment. And then he goes on and he goes, but guess what? There's a second just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean just the people that live on my right by my house and who else on my left? Yeah. But it also means that you love the person that's sitting next to you at school that drives you nuts. Or the colleague that is in the cubicle next to you that drives you nuts. (laughs) Yeah, you're thinking through right now all these people, right? Right? But that is super simple. Love God. We can boil it down to even more simplistic terms. Love God. Love others. But it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But we turn to God's word to find his strength. And he tells us how to live that. And he doesn't say, just go and do it, but he goes, I'm gonna give you my very spirit, the spirit of God, God the spirit, to dwell within you and help you to live in the ways that I've outlined in this book. I want you to turn real quickly, if you have your Bibles, to 2 Timothy chapter three. And we're gonna look at two verses. And again, here's the apostle Paul. We mentioned him earlier in our gathering. And he's writing to Timothy, who was younger than Paul was. And Timothy was a pastor. And Timothy needed to have encouragement. And he needed to know, how do I pastor a church? Okay, and how do I cause them and teach them to walk in God's ways? And so Paul wrote a couple letters to Timothy to to help him to do that. And Paul was talking to Timothy about the good word of God. Now, at that time, they didn't have the Bible like we have today, okay? They didn't have the New Testament. Paul's letters weren't in the Bible. There was really no, what the Bible was to them was the Old Testament, 
just really five books, including a couple of the prophets and the Psalms. But now we know, as God has blessed us with all of this in his word, that this is still true. And this is what Paul writes and he says to Timothy. He says, all scripture, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, everything in here, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, what does that mean? It's God-breathed. It's like it's breathed out. Another way we can say it is that it's inspired. Another way we can say it is that God made it so. It was his purpose. Everything in here was he willed it to be. He wanted us to know it. It was coming out of God himself. He spoke it into existence like he did at the very beginning of the story. He spoke all things into creation. And so God gave us his word. It's God-breathed. And here's what Paul says about it. And remember, this is Paul speaking and writing, but it's God's words, right? It's God-inspired. And he says, it is useful for teaching, for teaching us how to walk in God's ways. If you want to know how to walk in God's ways, then you have to know what God's word says. You can't just try to figure it out. You need to know what God says in his word to teach you how to do what he wants you to do. Okay? You don't go and learn math without having a teacher. You probably don't even want to go and learn math. Okay? But you need somebody to teach you that. With anything, we need somebody to teach us. And so God knows that. He's created us that way. And so he gives us his word to teach us how to walk in his ways. Another thing that the word of God does is that it rebukes us. What does that mean? Tells us where we're wrong? Where we mess up? Yeah. The word of God actually says, don't do something, don't do this. Don't rebel against me. If you choose to walk in your ways or listen to the stories of the world instead of following me, there's gonna be a lot of bad consequences. And if you do that, you're gonna lose blessing and you're gonna lose all the goodness that I have designed for you. So he rebukes us because of our sin. He says, if you sin, these are the consequences and it's not gonna go well. But if you obey me, and you follow me, and you let me teach you, you will be blessed. Another way we can say this, you will be happy when you follow my ways. So God also says, don't sin, and here's the consequences if you do. You know why he does that? Because he loves us. He wants us to know the consequences of sinning against him. But he also wants to know the blessings that we get when we do obey He's a good God and he loves us. So he gives us his word to point us in the right direction. He corrects us. And that's what's beautiful is God doesn't just say, don't do this. But he says, but do this. This is the right way to live. Don't sin, but trust me. And if you do sin, guess what? I'm going to correct you, remind you, you have a savior, my son, Jesus Christ, who frees you from that sin. And now you can live in my freedom. That is good news. We have this in God's word to tell us that, to correct our sinful behavior, and not just to correct our behavior, but more importantly, to remind us that we have somebody who's already done all the perfect work for us. So you don't have to be perfect for God to like you. You don't have to be perfect 
for God to love you and accept you. Jesus has already done all that. He was the perfect son who never sinned, never disobeyed God. Even further than that, he gave his life for us so that we would not have to give our lives, at least in that way. But God does demand our lives. He wants us to follow him with all that we have. So he corrects us. And then the word of God trains us in righteousness. I like that word training. Anybody work out? Five-year-olds, six-year-olds in here, you working out, doing some CrossFit during the week? Right? Yeah? Okay. You think about training, right? Is it hard work? Yeah. You know, training your body to get up at early in the morning to get to, I have three high schoolers. High school starts at 7.20, the most ridiculous time for high schoolers ever. Against all research about the teenage brain and how it works. Don't get me started. Anyway, you got to train your body to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get to school at 7.20. And then you have to take algebra at the first hour and you're like, how am I even awake to understand it? Right? But you got to train your body for those things. So it's hard work sometimes. So when we are training for righteousness, another way we can say that is we are being trained to do what's right. And to do what's right is to follow God. And again, God loves us so much that he gives us his word to say, follow this and you're going to know how to walk in righteousness. But if you think that you're going to pick this up maybe once a week and think you're going to be trained well, not going to happen really well. If I think I'm going to get big, like if you want to get big like me, kids, okay, working out once a week, you're like, yeah, that's, that's what he does once a week, right? But no, you, if you want to get strong, you're going to have to work out a lot. You're going to have to train a lot. If you want to know something, you've got to think and study it. And that's what training in righteousness is, that we take time to be in God's word often, to read it, to read it with others, to memorize it, to say, God, help me. Help me want to read it. And he will do that. He empowers us to do that. And he trains us to walk in God's ways. And you know what? Here's another cool thing. If you love Jesus and he's your king, do you know that you're already in God's eyes righteous? You're already right in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done. And he says, now I want you to live it out. Live out that righteousness in what you say and do. And the last thing he says, so that the servant of God, that would be all of us who are followers of Christ, that we would be thoroughly equipped. Again, given everything we need, everything we need to do God's good work. That's good. You can just take these first two, these two verses right here and read that all week and be blown away. And how much goodness there is in just those couple of verses where God tells us, I love you so much. Follow me, read my word, commune with me, love me. But here's one last thing I want to leave you with. It's not so much that I go, well, I have a Bible and I just want to read it. And I read it today and I checked it off and now I'm good and I'm going to be trained in righteousness, right? But it's more than just a book that I hold in my hands, I want to read this quote to you from a guy by the name of N.T. Wright, who is a pastor and a writer. And he writes this about God's word. And I thought this was pretty cool. He says, God speaks the decisive word that puts us on the way, the road, the path of life. 
The Hebrew word for Bible is mikra, a noun form from the verb which means to call. The Bible is not a book to carry around and read for information on God, but it's a voice to listen to. The word of God that we name the Bible is not a root, is not at the root a word to be read and looked at and just discussed. It is a word to be listened to and obeyed. A word that gets us going. Fundamentally, it is a call and God calls us. That God calls us and speaks to us through his word. Family, I want to tell you to walk in God's ways, to know Jesus, to commune with the Father, we need his word. And Missio will not shy away from preaching it. We will not shy away from declaring it. And families, I want to encourage you as parents who sit in here, make this a priority in your home. First and foremost, that you as a parent are in the word of God so you know it. And then secondly, that you're taking it to your kids as much as you can with the power that God gives you, with the power that God gives you. That's a prayer we pray often for our family. This is super important. God is speaking to us through his word. We need to listen. See, those three reasons we talked about, number one, again, was that our worship is that we would declare and praise the glory of the triune God. That second reason is that our worship nurtures, informs us as God's people, a missional community. But the other reason why we gather on a Sunday morning to, and one of the reasons why we preach God's word and we're here is to do this so that we would be formed to be a witness to an unbelieving community that surrounds us, here, near, and far. So we don't just take God's word and get it inside of us and go, well, that's good, that's all I needed. That's super helpful, and we do need that. But that equipping the servant of God for his good work is that we take the good news of Jesus to people who need to hear it, to people who don't know Jesus. And so there's, how do we do this? I just want to read through this real quickly. Um, If you recall, if you followed along with us at the very beginning of the year, we had given a monthly prayer calendar Um, Some of you were following along with that, um, and we were just asking God to shape Missio to be a faithful presence in this city, that the good news of the gospel, of what Jesus has done and who he's made us to be, would actually shape us in the everyday stuff of life. And this is what we came up with. I'm just going to read these real quickly. That our Sundays and our worship would do this, that it would form us to be a community of justice in a world of injustice, a community of generosity in a consumer world, a community of selfless giving in a world of selfishness and entitlement, a community of humble and bold witness to the truth of God in a world of uncertainty, a community of hope in a world of disillusionment and consumer excess, a community of joy and thanksgiving in a world that's only pursuing pleasure. A community that experiences God's presence in a secular world. We need to gather as family, kids, men, women, 
to remind ourselves that we are called to live this way. That we are called to follow in the ways of God, to trust Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life for us and our children and for the world. And we are bombarded, as Chris mentioned earlier, when we hit our Monday with false stories that tries to narrate life for us that says you don't need God. Live for yourself. Try to obtain as much of the world as you can for true satisfaction. And Sundays remind us those stories are not real. They're false. And I need the true story of God found in his word to shape me, to empower me, to encourage me. I need the people of God around me to do the same, to speak into my life, to remember the gospel story, to retell it, and then to go with me in response to it. This is important. This shapes us as God's people. That's why we preach the word of God. Those three reasons. Hey, Jackson. Who's your dad? That guy over there. Why? Did you do something to be his son? Did you have to like pass a test? No. Did you have to did you have to show how strong you were first before he was like, Yeah, you could be my son. You're you're a pretty cool kid. No, it was nothing you did, right? Nothing you did. And I love how as Wade was reading that and sharing that from 2 Timothy, like, listen, if you are in Jesus, you already have the righteousness of Christ. God already looks at you the way he looks at his son, Jesus. This is my son or daughter with whom I'm well pleased. You did nothing to earn that. But train yourself in that. Live like it's true. And so my boys, Jonas, Cannon, Liam, you did nothing to be my sons, right? <laughs> no. But, but you're expected to live in my house as part of my family, right? There's rules you got to follow. There's things I want you to do. There's ways I want you to learn and grow up. And in the same way, Jesus did all the work for us. He did all the work for us to be a child of God, but he says, I'm doing this for a purpose. You're now gonna live like a child of God. And we now, every Sunday that we get together, we take a moment to remind ourselves of what that was that he did to bring us in to God's family. But it's also a reminder to us that there's an expectation for us to live that out now. And so as we go to the table, as we take what we call communion or the Lord's Supper, we go to the table and we remember that Jesus paid a price. The perfect son of God gave his very life. He died so that you and I could become sons and daughters of God as well. He gave his life. He died so that we could live with him forever. So we remember that, that it was nothing we did in ourselves. But it's not just a reminder of Jesus' death. It's also a reminder that that same body that was broken, that had blood spilled out, that same body rose from the grave again and lives forever. Went to be with the Father, God, and is coming to be with us one day forever. Will live with us in eternity. 
And so it's also a reminder that we get to live this truth out now. As a child of God, we get to practice this truth. We get to live in our new identity. Okay? And so we, we get to do this now to remind ourselves we're going out back into the world and let's live in the true story no matter what we see around us. And so it's really a celebration just as much as it is a reminder of Jesus' death. We're celebrating life in him. At that same time, when we go to the table, it's also an opportunity for us to practice living out that righteousness of what Jesus is. And Jesus is the one who has everything. He owns all things in the world, and yet he gave it all up for you and I. Jesus, the king, became a servant. And so in that same way, one small tangible way we practice this as a family, those of you who are part of the Missio family, is we give to demonstrate how Jesus gave for us. Okay, that's the heart level. On a practical level, it also allows us to actually give more to our community around us. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so we give of our tithes, our offerings, so that we can serve this city in a tangible way, in real ways, and meet their needs. And so as you come to the table, there's two tables on the side there, one up here. The tables on the sides have offering boxes. If you're part of the family, that's where you give. Um, that table over there has gluten-free if you need it because we're in a broken, sinful world and things are falling apart, including our bodies. But every table has bread that you take and you remember Jesus took on flesh. The God of all creation became a human being. And he did that so that his body could be broken. You dip it in the cup, you remember his blood was poured out. He experienced the worst part of life that should have never happened, which is death itself, so that we could have life. So go with someone, remind each other, we now live because of this. Amen? Amen. Come as you're ready. And because we are alive, not in the life to come, but in the life that we have here and now, we need to also be encouraged and sent out as God's missionary servants. And so the last part of our liturgy that we do week after week to help us declare God's glory, to be nurturing us, and to help us to be a witness to an unbelieving world is to be sent out or what is known in old terms as the benediction. And so we take this as a time to be encouraged and reoriented on God's good mission as we go into the rest of our week. So let's say this and declare it together. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Go in peace. We love you guys.